Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. All right. Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, let's get started. I think it's I think it's time to begin. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, and call it and uh, and begin our discussion this morning. Um, looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the class and uh, always looking forward to spending time in the Word with uh, with the family here. Uh, for those of you that might be visiting with us this morning or joining us for the first time uh, in class, our uh, our topic this quarter that we have been um, working through is developing a biblical worldview. And just to kind of restate our, um, our premise for this class is that um, everything, everything in our lives as, as Christians should be governed and bound uh, by, the, by the scriptures. We've spent several weeks um, looking at developing a worldview and what should be the foundation of that, uh, of that biblical worldview, and then uh, spent the last few weeks um, applying that, uh, that worldview to various topics that, um, that present themselves, you know, whether they're cultural issues, doctrinal issues, uh, things like that. And this morning, this morning is no different. We're going to be uh, discussing marriage and divorce and looking at the scriptures and, um, again, filtering everything that comes at us through the lens of Scripture and filtering everything that comes from us through the, through the lens of Scripture. Our, uh, our, our, our mantra, if you will, has been that every spiritual question should be met with a scriptural answer. And, uh, and sometimes, that's, sometimes that's easy, uh, if you can ever call uh, the, the Christian walk easy, but sometimes it's difficult. And I think this morning is uh, one of those topics that is, that is difficult. But we are very blessed here in the West Huntsville family um, because of the, the, the preaching that we are accustomed to uh, on a regular basis. Uh, this morning's lesson from, from Ben um, perf- you know, being a, a great example of that. Um, and the, the elders um, allowing and facilitating and enabling solid foundational gospel preaching. So this topic is not necessarily uh, foreign to us. And the question might, well, do we really, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, we hear about it in Q&A. It, it, it often comes up at least once, you know, in, in, our, in our Q&A sessions that, that Glenn presents on Sunday evenings and things like that. So have we, have we not heard enough about this? Well, Last I checked, we are still, and I say we just as a people, not, I, I don't mean specifically this congregation or, you know, but why, why does this merit our time? Well, number one, first and foremost, it's, you know, it's part of the whole counsel of God. So anything, anything that the scripture teaches is worth our time, right? Uh, I think number two, uh, none of us, I don't think, will live our lives untouched by divorce in, in some way, okay? Lord willing, you know, not specifically directly our own marriages, but it is likely, it is likely that everyone in this room and everyone hearing this will be touched by divorce, like I said, in, in, in some way, shape, or form, 
Um, it, is, um, it, is a, it is a difficult topic, um, and it, it's hard because of the, because of the weight and the, and the eternal implications that it has. And unfortunately, sadly, it is, uh, it is not uncommon to find uh, congregations led by elderships that, for, to put it succinctly, that have adopted basically a, a, a don't ask, don't tell policy when it comes to uh, marriage and divorce and things like that. And thankfully, um, that we have, thankfully here, we have an eldership that, that it cares, that cares enough about the word and cares enough about shepherding uh, its people um, to help us get this right. So we're going we're gonna to first look at the scriptures. Um, and so I, I don't have any slides this morning, so I, uh, I'm encouraging you to have your Bibles open. And we're going we're gonna to look through several scriptures first just to set our, again, to set our foundation. And these scriptures are not necessarily in uh, what we may call left-to-right order. Right, um, we're not just going to go like from Matthew straight through in order, but I kind of I, I kind of paired up some some companion verses, if you will. Okay, so first is Matthew five, uh, beginning in verse thirty-one and thirty-two, and a little bit of reading uh, up front. We are going to read we are going to read these scriptures because I want us I want us to see all of this. Um, so beginning in Matthew five, uh, verse thirty-one. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife. Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Okay, so this is Jesus speaking, part of, his, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount there, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Okay, Luke 16, Luke 16 and verse 18, just very briefly stated, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. I just, like I said, putting those, putting those back to back because they're short, they're brief. Okay? Um, the account in Mark and the account in Matthew 19, which we're going to look at both of those, are, uh, again, like a companion passages, sister passages, whatever word you want to use to kind of pair those mentally in your mind. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 2. Mark 10, beginning in verse 2. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote to you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together... Let not man separate. In the house, his disciples who, who also asked him again about the same matter. So he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Okay. Now turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, beginning in verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? 
He said to them, Moses, because the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And so those are, those are um, the passages of, of Jesus speaking on the topic of marriage and divorce. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even as she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Again, this is, obviously this is Paul writing to uh, the, the Christians there at Corinth. Okay, now one more passage. Turn over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 2. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as she lives. I'm sorry, as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Right? So these passages that we have, that we have looked at, um, speaking directly to the bonds of marriage, okay? speaking directly to the topic of divorce, Kind of, kind of, you know, kind of give us a a, a picture of of the, the the doctrine, right? What what the New Testament, what Jesus and his uh, and his apostles taught according to the topic of of uh, marriage and divorce. We're going to spend our time this morning in Matthew 19. Um, so if you want to turn back there, I wanted us to look at all of these passages first, and uh, and we're going to look at Matthew 19 basic, basically because. This, this passage kind of like encapsulates all of that, right? Um, obviously, Jesus doesn't speak of the exception of death of a spouse that Paul does. And let's, you know, let, let's very quickly understand that, you know, Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching are not in contradiction to one another, okay? Paul is, I mean, obviously, you know, supplementing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that is not a, that is not a contradiction, Okay, so for, for our purposes, we are going to be going through um, Jesus' instruction and Jesus' teaching uh, in, in Matthew 19. And I want, to start, I want to start with this question first. Why would, why would the Pharisees test Jesus with this particular question? Right? Uh, I just find that you know, there, there, were, there were multiple, multiple times that they were, they were trying to basically catch Jesus in a trap or, or test him or, or whatever. It's interesting that they're using, that they're using this. And, and as we go through and as we study this, I think we'll find that um, this teaching, as, you know, if we, if, we can, if, we can, if we can take our mind and if we can step outside of what we know as the New Testament church, Okay? And what I mean by that is if we just kind of separate ourselves for that just for a minute in just a kind of an imagination exercise, this teaching is so countercultural that it is absolutely bonkers to people that don't know it okay? or that have not studied what the New Testament says because it's so, it's just like, are you, are you serious? Are you, like, are you kidding me? That, that, that can't be, that can't be right. Okay? Well, what we find as we as we as we study this and as we go through, as countercultural as it is today, it was just as countercultural then. 
right? This hard teaching has been hard since it was, since it was uttered, right? So, you know, we're in Matthew 19. Remember, Jesus had already stated publicly his teaching on marriage and divorce that we read from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31 and 32, right? Um, you know, a couple, of, a couple of different commentaries point out um, that there were basically... In the in in the in the Jewish you know in the Jewish society Jewish culture, and especially among the Pharisees, there were there were basically two schools of thought. There was the Hillel school of thought, and there was the Shammai school of thought. Um, the Hillel school of thought said that you could divorce for any reason, right? Which more aligned with uh, the you know the the teaching or the or the permittance, I should say, of of Moses. The Shammai school of thought. Um, said that it was only it was only for adultery, right? So at this point, you know, the Pharisees are asking Jesus this question, knowing that whatever he says is going to put him at odds with one of those two schools of thought. Okay, because they're just trying to stir up controversy. They don't care, right? They're not, and you know, this 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 asking Jesus the, these questions is it's not about finding the truth, right? They're doing this to test him. They're doing this to trap him. All they want to do is prove that he is not who he says he is. So they don't really care what his answer is. They just know that whatever the answer is, it's going to stir up controversy with some group among the Pharisees. It's not about truth-seeking, and it's certainly not about abiding by that truth. It's just, it's just for controversy. So again, I was going to put him at odds and, and, and stir up conflict. They knew that if he condemned divorce, he would be condemning a convenient out for an unwanted marriage. And they knew that if he endorsed divorce, that even though divorce was common or popular, it was still looked down on in terms of religious piety, right? So in their mind, they thought, man, we, like, we got it. There's, there's, no, there's no way. Like, there's, no, there's no good that's going to come out, of, that's gonna come out of, uh, of his answer. Again, providing ammunition to label him as less than a Messiah, right? So... But notice how Jesus responds to the question, right? He takes it all the way back to creation, right? So right from the very, very beginning, he rejects their premise, okay? And in a, in, 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 in a debate, call it a debate, call it an argument or whatever, you never accept a false premise from your opponent, right? So he goes all the way back to creation, and takes it all the way back because he says, in the beginning, or but from the beginning, I'm sorry, but from the beginning, it was not so. He goes all the way back to God's creation, God's right and role as creator, right? And points to that as the basis for the marriage relationship between the man and the woman. And then we get to it, okay, we get to, we get to verse 9 and the, and the hard teaching. Look at verse 9. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. It's very plain, okay? Very plain. And it's very blunt. And it is easy to understand on an intellectual level, right? That the only, the only scriptural reason that someone can remarry and be, or the only reason someone can remarry and be scripturally authorized to do so is because of fornication of 
the spouse. Okay? Sexual immorality. Okay? The Greek word there, porneo, Old King James translating it as, as fornication. That is the one exception that Christ allowed. Again, obviously, except for the death of the spouse, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. Okay? So this, this hard teaching, okay? um, again, easy to understand on an intellectual level, incredibly difficult to, to accept sometimes on an emotional level. Right? Because again, we talked about you know, just, just a few minutes ago that we are all going to be, if we haven't already, be um, affected, be touched by, be touched by divorce. And it's incredibly difficult when you think of the spiritual uh, ramifications of someone either ignoring what the New Testament says, rejecting what the New Testament says, or the, um, you know, the acceptance of obeying what the New Testament says and then possibly being alone for the rest of their lives. Neither, neither one of those things, neither one of those things are easy to accept. And again, it's a hard teaching now and it was a hard teaching then. Okay? Because we know that because we can see, we can see the reaction of even his disciples. Okay? Read with me in verse 10. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Okay? These, are, these are his people. right? People that spend time with him right? day in and day out. And they hear this and even the disciples are like, wait a second. If, if it's that stringent, if it's that serious, and there's only one reason that someone could have scriptural grounds to remarry, maybe it's just better off to not be married at all. That's how strong, that's how strong it was. So again, we think it's hard now, right? And it, and it is. Don't, I, don't, I certainly don't want to belittle that. It is hard, right? When you, you, know, when you have to, um, when you have to you know, feel the pain of a, uh, of a loved one that is, that is going through divorce um, and all of that, there, there, is, you know, there, there is nothing about that that's easy on any, on any level. But it was hard then because even his disciples who are, who are, who are learning, but they're there, they're with, they're with him, and they're, they're, they're all in as best they can be and as best they understand to be, okay, are even having a hard time hearing this for the first time. Countercultural then, countercultural now. And Jesus responds to that in verse 11, talking about, talking about the cost. Right? Let's, uh, let's, look at, let's look at verse 11. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him, let him accept it. Now, wait a second. I thought we were talking about marriage and divorce, and all of a sudden the Lord's bringing up eunuchs, right? That, that seemed like a like like an immediate left turn, kind of kind of out of nowhere, right? Why why would why all of a sudden why all of a sudden is the Lord is the Lord talking about eunuchs, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nathan was talking about, you know, comparing the commandment to go and be fruitful and, and multiply, okay? Remember, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about the marriage, you know, between a husband and a wife, 
Okay? We're talking about the, the union, okay, the physical, the sexual union between a husband and a wife. And when that union is broken, right, because of, like I said, because of you know, fornication, sexual immorality, um, that breaks, that, that can break the marriage union. You know, so you know, Jesus is, is using this example to say there are some, there are some that cannot participate in that union because of the way they were born, right? There are some that cannot participate in that union because they have been made so by men. And you think about, you know, you think about the servants in a king's court, right, that were, that were made eunuchs so that they were no threat to the bloodline of the king. You know, it's, it's likely, scholars, scholars will talk about it, you know, it's likely that, you know, when, when the Jews were, were taken into captivity um, and men like Daniel, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's likely that they were made eunuchs, again, to be no threat to the bloodline. So some are not able to participate in that physical union because they've been made so by men. And then some, some do not participate in that union for the sake of the kingdom, right? Some are able to live without that union, without that participation for the sake of the kingdom. So, but when he says, all cannot accept this saying. And, and then he finishes that in verse 12. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Right? Well, does that, does that mean that, well, I can't, I, I, I can't live by that, so I don't have to. Right? What, what, does, what does that mean? Well, you think about, think about the rich young ruler. Right? And when the Lord said, go, you know, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. And the rich young ruler basically says... I can't accept that, right? He could not accept the truth of what the Lord was telling him to do, so he rejected that truth and went away sorrowful because he had great possession. So, in other words, he chose, he chose a lifestyle that the Lord told him to leave behind, right? Because he could not, he could not accept that. So those who can accept it are those that are willing to give up an earthly relationship for the sake of their relationship with God, right? And again, it's, it's incredibly hard to imagine and it's incredibly hard to accept on, emo, on an emotional level that someone may have to live the rest of their lives alone, right? But again, as hard as, hard as that is, we have to be willing to say, as we have said every Sunday morning that we've had this class, and I hope that we say all the time, what, is the, what does the Bible say? Right? Are, we willing, are we willing to submit ourselves to the teachings of our Lord? Remember, we talked about, very early on, we talked about, you know, when we, are, when we claim and profess to be Christians, when we profess to be Christ followers, Right? When we read verses like John 1, 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We are talking about Jesus Christ. So when we talk about being a Christian, we are talking about being a person of the Word. Our goal should be, as best we can, as best we can every day, to make sure that we are living according to what the New Testament teaches, teaches to our very best ability. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, Right? It's going, to be, it's going to be hard. And especially when, you know, obviously the, the, most important per, the most important decision anyone is ever going to make is to obey the gospel according to the New Testament of Jesus Christ. 
It does not get any more important than that because that has eternal implications, obviously. I know, that's, I know that seems kind of, a, uh, kind of an obvious statement. The second most important is who someone decides to marry, right? Because that, that earthly relationship is second only to our relationship to the Lord, right? And it is incredibly difficult to imagine living without that relationship. But if we choose, if we choose the earthly relationship over the spiritual relationship with our Lord, we are getting those out of order, right? So again, as, as, difficult, as difficult as it is, we have to understand as hard as it is and as countercultural as it is. And unfortunately, we have seen uh, Christendom in a, in, a, um, in a generic sense, okay? We have seen Christendom give so much ground, give so much ground on this that statistics show that the probability of divorce between non-Christians and Christians or those that, you know, that some, you know, like the Barna group we've talked about, you know, the, their terminology is, is born again, born again Christians or born again adults. The statistics show that the divorce rate is basically identical. That being, being, a, being a professed Christian and being a professed non-Christian really does not have much different uh, um, probability of, uh, of divorce. And we've given so much ground on it because it's, because it's hard. Um, and, and again, it's plain to understand on, a, on an intellectual level, but difficult to understand or difficult to, to, to obey sometimes on an emotional level. And then, so, so what we do with that, what we do with that teaching is we try to come up with all of these different hypotheticals, right? And all of these different scenarios, but what if this, and what if that, and what if this, and what if that, and what if this, well, what if this, and, and what, if, what if this, this, and this happens, and then this X, Y, and Z happens, and ABC happens, and then you carry the one, and you do all, like, right? Why do we do that? Well, we do that with everything on some level. It's because we want to get around what the Bible says all too often, all too often. And it's, and it's difficult, okay? But what we have to remember, what we have to remember, especially... You know, in, in the context of, of striving to be faithful in everything, striving to have the scriptures govern everything that we do, okay? And just ask ourselves, constantly ask ourselves, well, what does the Bible say, okay? Before we get into hypotheticals, before we get into what-ifs, before we get into all of the different, and, and not even hypotheticals, right? We have, we, you know, when, when we have like a Q&A session on a, on a Sunday evening, you know, and a, and, a, and a question about, you know, that, that comes under the category of marriage and divorce that Glenn might respond to, those aren't, those aren't hypotheticals, right? So I, I say that we come up with, these, with all these hypotheticals, but it's really not hypothetical because it's, you know, every, every person's situation is, is, is unique. I get it. But again, we have to be willing to say, what does the Bible say? And if the Bible, if the Bible says this, then that's what I have to do. So before we enter into all of these different scenarios, all these different arguments, all these different, um, you know, uh, attempts to, to, to modify or tweak this or, or, or manipulate that or whatever, okay, we have to remember, we have to remember that we have to claim our convictions first, right? 
And that's important in, in, any, in any scenario, especially, especially when you're dealing with something that can be so emotionally charged, right? Um, you think about, you know, obviously what we're talking about this morning, you think about marriage and divorce, you think about the topic of abortion, you think about, you know, lot, lots of different things that carry a great deal of emotional um, baggage, you know, emotional triggering, whatever, whatever you put on that. It's very, very important that we claim our convictions first so that we can present, okay, and, or so that we can proceed, rather, through, through this, through the weeds with what the Bible says, okay? So we've talked about, remember, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We've been, we've been using, you know, the, that, that passage among others to remind ourselves that it really is, it really is the scriptures. The, the scriptures are the only thing that can fully bear the weight of the Christian's worldview, right? Uh, passages like Psalm 119 and 160, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. If we believe that, okay, if we believe that, then we have to be willing to submit, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much it doesn't, it doesn't feel good at the time, we have to know that, and we have to believe, and we have to trust that we will be rewarded for our faithfulness to that. Okay, so uh, in the time that we have, uh, in the time that we have left, we're gonna we're gonna look at um, just. I'm gonna throw some throw some common uh, some common arguments, I guess, or some common rebuttals um, when we you know when we talk about when, when marriage and divorce comes up and things that uh, things that get hard, things that make it hard. Um, and, you know, one, one that is common and that, that tends to come up probably more often than others, at least from, at least from what I've heard. And we've, we've, probably all, we've probably all got, you know, different, different examples of that or whatever. Okay? But one goes something, something like this, is that baptism washes away an unscriptural marriage. Okay? And just to, just to, just to kind of, you know, paint a, a generic scenario in that, you know, a lot of times it may come up that it is found that a couple is married and it is not their first marriage, okay? Um, their previous marriage, uh, however, was not ended because of fornication, was not ended because of, you know, adultery. Um, but since, since that first marriage, right, and since their, you know, since, the, since their second marriage, they have now become Christians, Right, so if two people are who aren't Christians enter into an unscriptural marriage and then are baptized, then their baptism washes away the sin of the adulterous marriage. Okay, so that's that's the that, that's the common argument. Basically, it goes like this: Well, well, they weren't Christians then. All right, you can't you can't hold that you can't hold that against them because they weren't you know well they weren't Christians at the time, but now that they are, now that they are, you can't you can't really hold can't really hold that against them. Okay, well. Let's make sure we all understand what repentance is, right? Repentance is the hardest thing we do as Christians, right? Um, when, we, when, we talk about the, when we talk about the plan of salvation, right, we hear, okay, hearing the word of God like we're doing right now, that's, that's not the hard part, right? Believing, believing, there, there, may, be, there may be hurdles, and, and, and we've had, I'm sure we've had discussions, you know, with, with friends and family members over the years, where it seems like getting them to believe that, that not only this is the inspired word of God, but what I need to do based on 
that, you know, that revelation that this is the inspired word of God. But we get over that, okay, hear, believe. We'll come back to repentance in a second. Being baptized, there's nothing, there's nothing hard about submitting to baptism, at least, at least physically submitting to baptism. The, the, you know, the, the process of baptism is not, is not hard to do, right? Repentance. One of the, that's, that's the part that we're constant. I mean, we're all constantly, you know, we're constantly hearing the word. We're constantly reaffirming our belief in the word, right? And we're constantly repenting because we're not, we're not perfect, okay? But what, is, what does repentance mean? What is repentance? And this is a question for anybody to answer. What, what is Repentance. It's a turning away both, both mentally and actively, or through action. So it's a change of mind that produces a change of, of action. Okay? So if I am living in a sinful condition, whatever that, whatever that can do, let's, let's, set, let's set the marriage aside. Okay? Regardless, if I am living in a sinful condition, if I am living in a way that the Scriptures teach is contrary to the will of God. If I'm living in a way that the scriptures teach is a sinful lifestyle, and you can fill in the blank with a million different things right there. Okay? Once I, once I, if I am willing to submit to Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm willing to submit to the New Testament teaching of just what we talked about, hearing, believing, repenting, confessing that Christ is the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of sins, then my repentance means that I am turning away. I have made up my mind, I have changed my mind, and I am changing my action to remove myself from this sinful lifestyle. I cannot continue in a lifestyle that the Scripture deems sinful, right, and consider myself repentant or or having repented. And it's interesting, so, you know, again, we have to look, the scripture, you know, the scriptures that, that, that we read earlier, and specifically using Matthew 19, verse 9, as our, uh, as our summation, right? I don't, you know, let's certainly not, let's make sure that we, we understand that we're just, for a matter of time and, and convenience this morning, we're using that passage as our summation, even though we've read multiple scriptures that, that teach and complement the same thing. Okay? I have to be willing to submit to that no matter how, how hard it is once I realize, well, the Bible says I can't do this. The Bible clearly says I can't do this, so I have to change regardless of what, uh, what, of what the past is. So, but it's interesting, the, the argument that says, well, you know, well they, weren't, they weren't Christians. They weren't Christians then, so you can't really hold that against them. So um, it, it's okay for them to remain married even though they don't have the scriptural grounds for, for that marriage. Do, do, we, do we see the logic flaw in that? I hope we do. Because basically, whether we, whether, we, whether we put it in these words or not, basically what that argument is saying is, well, you can't count sin against someone until they become a Christian. Well, if that's the case, if sin doesn't count until I become a Christian, what's the logical response to that? Don't become a Christian. Thank you, Tom. Right? Right? 
Jesus himself said clearly that you can't do this, that this is not a God-approved relationship. But then later, well, well, they weren't, they weren't Christians then. Well, then if sin doesn't count until I become a Christian, then I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to become a Christian, right? So we have to, you know, and we could use, you know, we, we could use several, you know, several examples of that, you know, uh, that, that we are, you know, saying that we were ignorant of the law does not, does not make us excused from the law, okay? Repentance demands that the sin be stopped and no longer continued in. Acts 17 and verse 30 says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now God commands all men everywhere to repent. Right? And it's hard. I can't, I, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't, in, in my mind, it doesn't get more difficult in, you know, on the, on the earthly side of things than to look at someone and have a conversation with them and say, well, well this, is, this is what the Bible says, right? And it's very, very important, very, very important that we approach it that way when that situation arises because it can never be about, well, this is just what I think. Well, this is just what, this is how, this is how I feel about it. This is, what, this is what I believe, right? We have to let the Bible speak for itself, Right? And we've looked, at all, we've looked at several passages this morning that speak directly to that, and it's not easy. It certainly doesn't feel good to think about it, right? But the Bible says, the Bible says what it says, right? Um, another argument that I heard uh, a, a while back, um, I, was reading, I was reading a blog, and um, by, by, someone, by someone that was, uh, that was formerly, formerly a member of the church, um, but the argument went something like this. I'm going to sum it up. I'm going to sum it up in, in, in this phrase. Um, obtained in sin, but continued in righteousness. Okay? Obtained in sin, but continued in righteousness. And the example given was uh, a couple that, um, that originally did not have scriptural grounds to be married. But now, <clears throat> they've been married and faithful to each other. For many, 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 many years, okay, and they uh, and they have been uh, fruitful in the in the Lord's kingdom. And the argument was, you know, even though even though that their marriage was not entered into scripturally, okay, they have been faithful to each other. They have been faithful and fruitful in the Lord's church and all of these things for many, many years. We're talking decades for a long, long time. Okay? There is no reason, according to this person's argument, there's no reason that this couple should separate because even though, again, using this phrase, even though it was obtained in sin, it is now being continued in righteousness. I'm just going to let that simmer. For a second, because I want everybody's I want everybody's wheels turning, okay, about how um, that might pass through the filter of the scriptures. Okay, does it does it pass through the filter of the scriptures? Well, if I may, and this this might be a um, this might be a clumsy analogy, um, but hopefully hopefully it gets us there to uh, to to better uh, to better understand. 
Um, let's say that I happen to obtain a vehicle illegally, right? So I have this vehicle, um, and I have obtained this vehicle illegally, um, whether I stole it, whether whatever, okay? So I have this vehicle, and, I, and I've, had it for, I've had it for a long time because I got away with it, and so far I'm still getting away with it. But, um, you know, it is a, you know, I, I can fit a whole lot of people in that vehicle, right? And for years, for years, I've been using this vehicle to um, go and pick up shut-ins, okay? Go and pick up elderly, okay? And I'm a, I'm a regular, I'm a regular on the van route, and I'm using this vehicle, okay, to go pick up people, bring them to worship, I'm using this vehicle to deliver food. I'm using this vehicle to take the Lord's Supper, to shut-ins, right? I am absolutely using this vehicle and maxing out my potential with this vehicle to do as much work for the Lord as I can. Are all those things good things to do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, right? We could all probably, we could all probably say that we could all be doing more of that. But I still can't ignore the fact that I don't have a legal right to this vehicle, right? That when I'm faced with what repentance really means, right, there's no way, there's no way that I can keep that vehicle and assume that I am, no matter how much good I'm doing with that vehicle, and assume that it's okay to keep it and still be in a right relationship because that is not actual repentance. Tom. Yeah, the, the idea, and if, and if, I, if I heard you correctly, you know, the, the links that we would go to apply that same logic to any other sin, right? And, and why, why does that make sense, but, 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 the, but, the, but, the, but the marriage is, is, is so hard to understand, or hard, not hard to understand, but hard to accept, is because we can't, we can't imagine. We can't imagine someone living alone, right? We can't imagine someone giving up and having to separate from their spouse, and maybe a spouse that they've been married to for years and have, had, and have had children with. And, you know, all of these things, it's because of the emotional attachment, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely, because, um, you know, again, because of how hard it is. It, you know, it's hard for the disciples, hard for us still. Um, you know, and I mentioned, um, you know, I mentioned, you know, like, like you know, a, a, third, a third example, but, but ties in with this, if this, you know, if this couple has children, right? Well, the idea, you know, the argument might go, well, surely, you know, I, you know they've been married for a long time. They've got kids together. Surely the, surely the Lord doesn't want this family to break up. Surely it would be better. 
surely it would be better for this family to remain together, for this husband and wife to remain married, even though it's not a scripturally approved marriage, for the sake of the children. Well, think about it in the book of Ezra. In the book of Ezra, the Israelites had taken pagan wives from the heathen nations and had children with them, directly violating Deuteronomy 7, verse 3. It says, nor shall you make marriages with them. But in Ezra 10, verse 10 and 11, Ezra specifically told them to, quote, make confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his will. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the pagan wives. Now, I know, like, well, Keith, that's the Old Testament, okay? You can't, you can't point to the Old Testament for, for New Testament. Look, okay? this is not, this is not I'm, not, I'm not trying to use the Old Testament to replace the New Testament law on marriage and divorce. I'm trying to show that God desires us to be faithful first and foremost, right? Remember, we've talked multiple times, multiple Sundays about God's desire for us to be holy, sanctified, consecrated, set apart, all of these things. He desires us to be in heaven with him. And we're only going to get there We're only going to get there if we are faithful to him, if we fully submit, even when it's hard, even when it's countercultural, even when, when when we talk about this, people look at us like we have three eyeballs, okay? Because it is so, earthly speaking, unnatural, right? So... You know, in, 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 the, in, the, uh, in the example where there are, there are children involved, okay? There's nothing, that, there's, no, there's nothing in Scripture. There's nothing in Scripture that says that man and that woman cannot still be, right? Cannot still be the parents of those kids. Cannot still work together in the raising of those children, right? And what kind of example, what kind of example to those children to say, this is what the Bible says, First and foremost, first and foremost, we care more than anything else about being pleasing to the Lord. Okay? We love you. We love each other. But we love the Lord more. And here's what we're going to do to be faithful to him. And then this is what life is going to look like from this point forward as we repent and do everything we can to be pleasing to the Lord. Is that going to be hard? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Okay? Raising kids is hard, period, right? But, but, first and foremost, are we going to do everything we can to submit to the will of God, no matter how hard it is, okay? Uh, I, know this, I know it's hard, and I know there are, we could spend time on a thousand more different scenarios, but I just want to encourage us, encourage us to humbly, humbly consider the word and do our very best to live it out in everything that we do. Appreciate the, the discussion. And uh, looking forward, Lord willing, to our final class uh, next Sunday. Thanks. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.